That's it for Alaska News Nightly. Good evening. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. It's 6 p.m. on Tuesday, September 19th. I'm Catherine Rose broadcasting live tonight from the Cable House, and you are listening to Raven Radio's Live Assembly Candidate Forum. Candidates Tim Pike, J.J. Carlson, Austin Cranford, and Scott Celine are here with me in the studio. They're running for three open Sitka Assembly seats, two full three-year terms and one one-year term. And uh, good evening, y'all. Good evening, Catherine. Good evening. Let me make sure I have all your microphones up first. Mm-hmm. And Scotty, can you hear me in there? Roger. All right, great. We're good to go. So before we get started, I just want to explain the rules tonight. This is a forum, not a debate. It's an opportunity to compare your views, your opinions on the city, and a chance for voters to learn where you stand on key issues. Your time is your own. You can use it how you choose. And if you want to address another candidate, um, can other candidates stance on an issue you are welcome to do so so tonight i'm going to ask a question each of you will get a chance to respond to that question we have a little less than an hour of this program so your responses to each question will be limited to two minutes i know that these issues are complex many are deserving of complex answers but i i just respectfully ask that you try to stick to that time limit so each candidate has an opportunity to answer those questions and we'll try to get to as many questions as possible and and listeners these questions are yours i'm looking for questions from listeners now if you have one for the assembly candidates call us right now at 747-5879 or you can send an email to news at kcaw.org if you'd prefer to um, not get on that phone but um, if you do call us rob uh, woolsey or meredith reddick are in the newsroom ready to take your questions and we'll be bringing those to me here in the air room and I will ask as many of them as I can tonight. So again, 747-5879 or email news at kcaw.org. So I'm going to start on the left here um, with J.J. Carlson. Uh, first question tonight, uh, maybe if you could just introduce yourself and briefly explain your platform. Thank you. Hi. Hi, Sitka. I'm J.J. Carlson. I've been on the assembly as an appointed seat uh, since December and I've enjoyed my time and I want to continue serving you. Um, my platform is based on kind of keeping things going and um, we've got a good group. Um, the city is being productive. We're getting things done. We have a great strategic plan and continuing to bring that plan to you um, for as low cost and high reward as possible. Um, well, kind of addressing specifically housing and childcare and tourism are my my three big points. Um, I think I can do that well with kind of some of the initiatives I've started and participating in the um, child care care summits that are going on. Uh, my day jobs in affordable housing, and I care about it gr- greatly. I'm on the ground um, with that topic, and I think I can continue to do a good job for Sitka. Great. Thanks, JJ. Austin Cranford, um, your turn. So could you introduce yourself and and briefly explain your platform? Of course. My name is Austin Cranford. I've been here in Sitka for about nine, almost ten years now. Uh, And my platform is mostly uh, keeping the city on track with what they're trying to do and lowering the cost of living. Uh, I've had a bunch of community members come up to me asking hey, what is the city doing, where's the money going, all that, and they can't ever seem to get an answer from the city, either through records request or some other 
uh, format. So I would definitely like to see more transparency with the uh, city and then, like I said, lowering the cost of living, uh, removing sales tax from essential items like food, utilities, uh, monitoring or even ca uh, capping the utility rates so that the people that are already struggling aren't pushed over that edge where, okay, they decide they need to leave SICA because they can no longer afford to live here. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Tim Pike, your turn. Sure. Um, my name's Tim Pike. I uh, also, along with JJ, was appointed to the assembly in the last year or so, and I've enjoyed my time there. Certainly been a, a steep learning curve, and I've enjoyed that, that process. Um, you know, my platform really is about affordability in Sitka and keeping uh, that going. I agree with uh, both the previous speakers in terms of keeping the city going and keeping it on track. I think the city is headed in a good direction at this point in time. Um, I, I think... Um, I'm concerned about the energy infrastructure as well, so I think that's going to be one of the things I would like to focus on as well. It's just making sure that we continue to uh, head in the direction that we're going um, and make sure we don't run out of power along the way. And um, in childcare, it fits into that affordability um, and housing and all those things like that. I think affordability really is the key to to making our community livable. Um, I certainly we certainly don't want to make it unaffordable for young families to be here. So, all right, thank you. And Scott Celine, um, your answer to the question, if you could introduce yourself and uh, briefly explain your platform. My name is Scott Celine. Uh, I came here out of the service in 1982 to live in Alaska. My platform is really to have the citizens of Sitka differentiate between a BTU and an AMP and the confusion with just using energy uh, as, a, as just a term without breaking it down. Are you going to do work with amps or you're going to heat homes and so my main platform really is to explain to the other assembly members how much heat is in the ocean and the biggest obstacle for pumping that heat up is a Corps of engineers requirement that you trench the ground source pipe across the tidelands that really adds a huge cost uh, and then that's really why it's not happening another deal is I really feel that the department heads with, you know, announcing the strategic plan and paralleling their departments, I feel it's kind of, we should follow the Marine Corps and go from the bottom up and have the workers in each department just have a vote of confidence for their leadership in their department. Because the, the city assembly is kind of like Blossom Teal was stating, it's kind of a different demographic. And the tradesmen that are in various that actually do the work are the ones that have faith in their leadership. And that's really what I feel the assembly needs to be aware of. For example, I have a memorandum, uh, to mayor Paxton and assembly members from December 16th, 2019 availability and uses of Sitka's S excess hydro generation capacity. And just get right down to the main deal of this little excerpt of two minutes. It says, solar and wind have both been studied and found to not be economically or technological viable options. Uh, and yet we still have staff pursuing windmills. And um, I'm, I'm going to try to not have that happen. That we've already had work done as to where Sitka needs to go. And then... That's where I'm at as far as having other assemblies on the coast. That's, that's your time, Scott. I'm sorry. 
Okay, so again, 747-5879 to call in and ask a question. 747-5879 or email news at kcaw. Dot org. This next question is about a about, uh, news story that um, we ran just last week. Uh, it's kind of the big news in Sitka, this ballot initiative. Um, a group of 45 Sitkins are currently gathering signatures for a ballot initiative, initiative to cap cruise visitor traffic next summer at 240,000 people. If they collect enough signatures, the initiative could go before the voters in a special election this winter. So this is kind of a three-part question. Have you read the ballot initiative yet? If asked, would you sign it? And why or why not? So this will go to Austin first. Of course. So to break that down, I have read part of it. I know that they want to uh, do a daily, weekly, and yearly cap uh, for the tourism industry. And uh, regarding the question of if I would sign it, I would say yes, just because it's clearly showing that the community... Um, is, I don't want to say disillusioned, but they believe they're not being heard by the city and the assembly and all that. Uh, so if they want it on the ballot, then it should go on the ballot before the voters. Uh, obviously, uh, like Mr. Leach said in his memo that was put out by the city, there are legal and constitutional uh, relevant questions regarding it, but I think we could figure that out as needed. I think this is mostly just saying, hey, uh, the population is fed up with it. We need to do something before it gets any more out of hand than it already is. Thank you. All right, Tim Pike, so have you read the ballot initiative? If asked, would you sign it? And and why or why not? Sure. So, yes, I have read the uh, ballot initiative. Um, and, uh, and if if I was asked to sign it, I, th I think I would decline at this point in time. And um, <clears throat> I think, you know, we started a process, uh, This the city started a process of the uh, tourism task force um, specifically to address, uh, and this is one of the charges actually, how many visitors do we want to sit at a particular time? How do we want to see them staged, so forth? Um, and I think that process is underway. And when we look around the region, Juneau had a concern about uh, tourism numbers as well. And they work together as a community, and they work together as um, with the industry to try and come up with answers for that particular problem. And I think we just need to give this a little bit more time. Um, and and I understand people are concerned, and we're in the midst of the summer season, and season, and people are seeing the buses go by, and they're right smack in the middle of it. So I understand people's frustration with this, and and I share it. But you know, the process that that's going to give us the best outcome is is not a divisive vote, one that pits uh, you know, the people who are in the industry against the people who are concerned about it, but one that brings all the, the shareholders together, um, all, the uh, all the people involved in it together, and comes up with an answer for us as a community. And I think my time at Sitka has shown me that Sitka, given the chance, will come up with a good Sitka answer. And I know people you know, say Sitka answer. But the, we are a good community for communicating with each other, and we're a good community for coming up with good ideas. And I think, given time, that Tourism Task Force will produce, uh, you know, perhaps an even better thing than uh, a, b a better product than this ballot initiative would. So I just don't want to see us end up voting and disenfranchising a bunch of people um, who and disillusioning people thinking that that this is something that could happen, especially can, as, as Austin has pointed out, there seem to be some legal issues with this as well. 
Thank you for your response. And Scott, this is going to you next. Have you read the ballot initiative? Would you sign it if asked? And why or why not? Haven't read it. I'd sign it. But I know it's not going to work because we've already accepted the $50 head head tax that they ingeniously worked into that that head tax must be spent to enhance the disembarkees experience. And I'll lose a lot of people with this analogy, but if the streets and are, are the commons, if you go back to how IFQ shook out or what's worse, the crab decision, the courts are going to decide with who incurred the expense. So, uh, industry is going to be the one that is going to dictate what is a smooth flow and uh, closing off lincoln street that's a mistake closing off the catlian sidewalk all of that leads to the regulatory taking aspect of how uh this administration is trying to regulate town so it's going to be taking away items of freedom uh you know just for order well we still got buku jaywalkers we got all kinds of stuff going on that's still going to be out of control even with blocking off lincoln street so it really has to be an industry uh solution that the town's going to have to live with because the streets are the commons the ocean is the commons federal taxes roll all of that and mcgraw's incurred expense and sitka's not going to be able to vote them a diminished capacity it's got to be an industry uh solution and uh, I guess I'll still sign it, but I know how it's going to shake out in my own comic book mind just from how IFQs and the crab decision went through. And if you don't understand how that goes, I understand. Thank you. Thank you. Next, the question will go to J.J. Carlson. Um, would you like me to repeat the question? Yep, I got it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yes, I have read it um, from front to back. Um, well, well written. Great, great ideas are working on this all around. Um, it's nice to see our community do something in a solution oriented way. It's just a question on what kind of solution. And given the chance um, to sign it, I think I would have a discussion first. I'd like to have a bigger table discussion. And I like to support the public process. I like to see people getting involved. Um, had to sign it, I, I wouldn't because I'm fully invested in the tourism task force that I co-sponsored on the assembly because I think what we as people can control is the space between you know, stimulus and our reaction or response. I think when we do just react, it's not as good as a full-fledged you know, multilateral response. And I think this task force and a, you know, with the tourism industry locally, our neighbors in other port towns, um, in Southeast, looking at other policies around the nation, um, that will get us a good response. That will work for our short short term, our medium term, and our long term here in Sitka. Because of our local infrastructure, it is a private port. Um, There is not as many opportunities to regulate as other towns. And or other ways of spending that that head tax money. So we really have to look at this as cleanly as possible for a long-term solution. And I am all about making solutions that serve everyone um, for the long run. Thank you all for your response to that question. Perhaps um, 
Perhaps following up on that, and, and some of you touched on on this question, this is a question from Susie. She asks, the elephant in the room question is, you know, what do you see as something the assembly can do to improve the tourist situation? So slightly different angle to this question. What do you see as something the assembly can do to improve the tourist situation? And we'll take that to uh, Tim Pike first. Thank you. Sure. Uh, that's, a good, that's a good question. And, um, and I think the assembly is, uh, you know, I think the assembly is quite aware of the concerns that the community has around tourism. Um, we live in the community, we represent the community, and, and we're aware of that. We, we didn't enter into the, the tourism task force lightly. We, we were very deliberate about the process to make sure that we were trying to include as many people as possible. And, and to try and get as many voices in the room as possible to come up with answers for that. So I think the assembly is is tasking that the that uh, task force with the answers for this question for us. So I think that's kind of where the assembly sits on this thing. Also, you know, the assembly is essentially the deciders on lots of issues that come up in front of the community, and and by being informed and by being a part of the process um, and by representing the community, we are we are doing that for them. So. Um, and that's what that's what we're being asked to do, and I think that's where our, that's where our role lies. So, certainly, many issues come up in front of us in in terms of what tourism impacts there are. Um, I remember when I first got on, we were having a whole conversation about buses and Centennial Hall. So, those are the sort of things that the assembly works on to to try and um, deal with that. And there are certainly plenty of ideas floating around about how to continue to improve the the tourism um, issues in Sitka. So, that's what I see the assembly doing. Thank you. This question will go to Scott next. Scott, what can the what is the um, what do you see as something the assembly can do can do to improve the tourist situation? Well, I, I really don't know. Uh, you know, improving in what way so that people aren't chapped about not being able to use downtown, or you know, if if you look at it. The Department of Commerce's way, the multiplier of sales tax and earning with all those people coming here, that's what makes America go around. So I don't know uh, what the assembly could do other than being more demographically accurate uh, with the community rather than back again to Blossom Teal while she had why she had to quit the school board. That very factor and on the assembly has something to do with the decisions that are made and the communication of people that are being affected, you know, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm ready to listen. Thank you. Thank you. JJ Carlson. Um, next, would you like me to repeat the question? No, thank you. I've got it. Mm -hmm. As the two speakers in front of me, like listening is first. That's, that's the most important thing that the assembly can do. Listen to the task force, listen to the community at large, listen to you know, the industry, locally, regionally, and you know, our charge is policy and how we spend that money, how we appropriate things. So within policies and how we move around the, the money to serve Sitkins is what the assembly can do because the quality of life for us here is what matters most for me. And as part of that strategic plan, it is, it is listed there as one of the, the major items. And that is the assembly's role is to keep this town going for this town for us um, by us through us with us as as you know front of mind there 
um, if that's you know specific policy around e-bikes, if that's you know just having this um, tourism best management practices that the task force is working on, and there's a community engagement event um, next Thursday at 6 p.m. at the Centennial Hall. Please, Sitka, come and participate in that that dialogue. It's doing what is asked of us through through the channels um, of our of our committees and you know emailing us directly we, we are here to listen and take all of the ideas and synthesize it in a way that that serves all of us the best for the long term thank you austin would you like me to restate the question uh, no i think it'll be fine uh while i do agree with uh miss carlson mr pike and with um um, yeah, Mr. Celine. Uh, I think the big issue is they all, they all mentioned listening, but that while listening is good, that's the issue. The reason this ballot proposition was put forward to possibly become a special election is because that's all that's been done. No disrespect to the assembly, no disrespect to the tourism task force. But this was an issue before COVID happened, and it's only become more of an issue post-COVID. And are we going to continue to listen, listen, and listen? Well, it seems like the community is tired of that approach. Uh, regarding what the Assembly can do, uh, unfortunately, because it is not a public dock, I, like I mentioned previously, there is definitely legal challenges about outright restricting the... Uh, the dock uh, regarding head taxes and stuff like that, I would definitely like to see what we could do regarding roads and other infrastructure because the tourism uh, tourist buses are using the road system, so we should be able to use the the head tax towards the road system. And I'd like to see why we couldn't move that money around to uh, facilitate that and obviously negotiate between the McGraws, the cruise lines, and the city itself. Thank you. Thank you. And let's pivot to another question. But first, uh, listeners, uh, 7475879 or email news at kcaw.org if you have a question. I'm here in the room. I'm Catherine Rose here in the room with the four candidates for Sitka Assembly, J.J. Carlson, Austin Cranford, Tim Pike, and Scott Celine. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW, Sitka. Just 30 minutes left to get your question into candidates. This next one is about schools and school funding this will go to scott first do you support full funding for the sitka school district why or why not you mean from the one percent tax that N no like funding um general in general you full bet. funding yes okay all right we'll move on to jj carlson <laughs> yes uh funding to the cap uh, always a, a good topic especially at these forums the Funding to the cap talk has changed, you know, over the years when that that cap moves or doesn't move from the state's side. And funding to the cap now, I think, is a solid yes because the cap is so low. Um, if that were to change, so thank you, Sitkins, for writing to your legislators because you did a very solid effort and got got some legislation through. Unfortunately, it didn't work out, um, so we'll be at it again this year, but changing that cap amount so there's more equitable across the state so we all of our communities in this state can have better funding for our schools. That would be fantastic. 
but absolutely funding to the cap currently as the state's limits allow it is it is absolutely necessary thank you and this question will go to austin cranford next yes yeah, so regarding school funding i agree that the schools should be funded uh previously mentioned at the other form uh the younger generation is the people that will grow up to become business leaders, government leaders, entrepreneurs, etc. Uh, and it's our responsibility to make sure that they get the proper education to uh, continue to grow both our economy, our nation, uh, their personal lives, etc. Uh, so as long as it's being used properly, I see no issue with funding the schools. All right, this question will go to Tim Pike next. Sure. Um, I mean, I, I'm with Scott. You bet. I think it's a really, uh, a really important thing to fund to the cap at this point in time. JJ's laid it out pretty well. The state has been remiss in its uh, increasing of the base student allocation for a really long time. So um, funding to the cap now is, is a lot different than funding to the cap if the state had kept up with inflation even, for example. So, um, you know, I think this is a huge part of it. And Austin's absolutely correct. The next generation is the is our future and the next generation leaders are already starting to uh, pop up. So, you know, g going through this um, campaign has been interesting because I've, I've met again, a, a number of my f former students who I've had through the years. And, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm impressed to see how many young people are moving forward and becoming, uh, you know, active in our community. And I look forward to their leadership going forward. So obviously, you know, education is super important to our students. Again, I would just really encourage the, community to get out and get the base student allocation uh, uh, past the governor um, so that we can can uh, you know fund our students more appropriately and and make sure that our students have the best opportunity for a great future so absolutely all right thank you all for your responses to that question and i do have a listener question next um, again seven four seven five eight seven nine or news at kcaw.org to get your question in for the assembly candidates who are all here in the room at raven radio tonight this one will go to jj carlson next and the question uh, from the, this listener is what should the assembly's role be in promoting affordable housing for sitkins great question Thank you. Uh, the assembly's role. The city and borough of Sitka has quite a bit of land, and that is the most direct and simplest way that the assembly, as policy and direction givers uh, to the, the city's municipality, is to open or allow access for development for residential you know, R1, R2 uh, land. And it can happen a several different ways. Um, there is a study that was funded in this last kind of budget that, you know, the money is available now as of this past uh, July 1st to look at some major pieces. And where it's underway, it's going to be a great plan um, to look at the engineering side, like are the slopes good enough to have roads on? Um, is the, you know, are there going to be um, enough flat lands to put houses? Are they going to be big lots? Are they going to be small lots? Like all of that's happening. And that is definitely that first step to open up land for residential construction. Um, other things can be uh, helping the state change some rules around so we can look at different ways um, to tax land that is zoned residential but vacant. Um, that's a potential 
there is to incentivize development, to incentivize, please put a house on that so someone can live here. Um, parking your boat's excellent. It's a fantastic use of space. And housing people is, is even better use of, of residential land that has utilities and infrastructure right there, ready to go. Um, several of the things bouncing around, but those um, are at the top of the list. Thank you. And this question will go to Austin Cranford next. Yeah, so I agree with uh, JJ Carlson. She mentioned that the city has land. They're still in possession of the Kramer Avenue land. There is, since 2015, more engineering uh, wonders that have been developed. Anchor, we can anchor the slopes. We can institute draining systems. We can make the slopes safe enough to where we can continue to develop that land without risking major landslides like the unfortunate one back in 2015. Uh, so the city should be going full steam ahead on getting that land open up. Uh, also agreed with her on getting the uh, state partially involved. The state does control quite a bit of land around Sitka too. If they could release some of that, that would be great. Um, and then just redevelopment of land we currently have. Can we convert R1 residential space to R2 residential space? Can we allow higher density housing in places that are already capable of holding residential housing? And we just need to incentivize the homeowners or the landowners to actually redevelop that into high density housing. There's plenty of things that the assembly can do and heading in that direction would be a, a good start. Thank you. Thank you. Tim Pike. You're next. Would you like me to repeat the question? No, I think I got that. Thanks. You know, I think the city does have a big role in affordable housing, and it comes in lots of different ways. JJ's and Austin have laid out a number of good ones, and, you know, I think the, uh, Austin's point about the state is really good. You know, the state does control a lot of land, um, and they have in the past been willing to do that. And when we talk about the state, we're also talking about the legislature and, and money to develop the land. So just having the land is one thing. Getting it developed is a whole other issue. So, um you know, you're going to put a lot of money into making a livable land. So, uh, you know, I think leveraging the state and leveraging um, even the tribe and, and other groups around us that have land that we can use um, would be a good way to further the city to move forward. And, and I see those things in place as we as we talk even, or even now. So, you know, the city does that. Also, it's all about affordability, right? So, you know, you, we need to make sure that the housing that we develop is is something someone can afford to buy. And it's also something that um, you know, they can continue to live in and, and make work with the, you know, uh, and not, you know, break them as it's, as it were. So I think the city has a role in that as well. So. Thank you. Scott Celine, this question goes to you next. Well, it's a deep subject. And, uh, if you just look at when the city tried to make, uh, you know, what do you, affordable housing in A and B Harbor and gee, it sounded good. And then, by the time the city got done crossing the T's and dotting their I's, it was going to be a $300,000 float house in a slip at A and B. And then the city changed that to alternative housing. And it kind of brings me right back just to affordability. And if all the houses in the village with vinyl siding on them, the story of those being <laughs> built and how inferior they are in insulation, that to pump heat from the sea underneath Catlian Street to all those houses with an additional insulation and make radiant floors 
you'd be making those houses pretty pretty good and uh there's a lot to it and you can't just open up land and then cork somebody else who made it in this restrictive market and then have their product <coughs> not be uh have somebody else buy the land that just opened up uh so it's it's a super deep thing it's like this in every city in america and i would just say to study the city of minneapolis and how they gained it i mean uh there's a lot to it and i know i only got two minutes but uh i'll come back to that thank you and this next question is from charles and it is, how can Sitka improve its food security? In 2014, about one in six residents was on some form of food support, WIC or SNAP, etc. And that may be worse since the pandemic. And this will go to Austin first. Yeah, so that is a big issue. Obviously, we do have subsistence hunting and fishing, but not everybody is able to do that. Um, the community garden idea was a good idea i would like to look at if it's possible for them to have like a bigger community garden like more like a multi-level greenhouse if possible just so that we can you know best utilize the space that they could possibly be getting rather than just having ground floor uh garden uh plots um and then, yeah, we would just, we're going to have to negotiate with the companies in the state. I mean, we have, most of our food comes up on a barge. We have, to my knowledge, one barge that comes into Sitka. Uh, we are redeveloping the airport. It's possible we could have people fly food in, get more barges to barge more food in. Unfortunately, at the end of the day, we live on an island and it's, yeah, we don't have a whole lot of farmland. So it's one of those things where we're always going to be reliant to some extent on outside food sources. We just need to work on developing how that outside food gets into Sitka. Thank you for your response to that question. This will go to Tim Pike next. Um, yeah, I mean, food security is definitely a big issue with, uh, you know, with where we live. We live on the outside of uh, North America here. So, it, you know, getting getting stuff out here is very expensive and very difficult to do. And um, a long time ago, and I'm not advocating this necessarily, but a long time ago, Frank Murkowski as governor had a whole series of tunnels he wanted to, to drill through things and bridges he wanted to build so that, that we would be connected to the inside. And I know I've been on some trips to Petersburg and, and Ketchikan and found their food prices to be significantly less than ours. So because their shipping costs are much less. And so while I'm not necessarily saying digging a tunnel is the right way to go here, the, something along the lines of finding out a way to make sure that our shipping costs are a lot less. Well, I did live in another community at, at one point in Southeast and at the, near this part of the fishing season, um, the fish would be made available to people in the community and they didn't have any particular, you didn't have to have need or you didn't have to have any income level. Everybody was able to pick up fish because there are a lot of fish around and I think the fishermen would probably tell you right now they're not worth very much so um, compared with what they might have been at one point so you know I think if you know if you're talking about what the city might be able to do it might be to help facilitate that process where we could make sure that that people go into the winter with a with a good supply of fish um, made available to them by the fishermen and that with that you know we are a big fishing port so I think those are the kind of things uh, along with subsistence and making that a little more e easier for people to do 
um, is that. I do like the community garden a lot. I think that's a great idea. Um, I think it's a good start. I'm very curious to see how much interest there is and how uh, interested people are do in doing that. And I might suggest, you know, reactivating, figuring out the problems with the Blatchley site and trying to get that up and running again just to get it, get us going a little quicker because um, I see that development taking quite a while. So, so those are the, some of the things I think for sec food security that we should look at going forward. Thank you. And this question will go to Scott Celine next. How can Sitka improve its food security? Got to be the gardens. Uh, tunnels is good. You know, the ferry terminal to Rodman Bay after they get done with the tourist road up to Sciatica land. All of that is going to reduce hazards to navigation. It's always been like this in Sitka. The Russians would have the Haidas paddle 40 to 50 tons of cabbage a year to Sitka to sell. And uh, I don't really have an answer to it, but I sure like the community gardens, maybe some barges. I, I, don't, I don't know. Thank you. Thank you. And this will go to J.J. Carlson next. I think diversification is our best avenue for food security to have robust and local trade network for subsistence in the fisheries of like what we can gather here. There's quite a few people that are foragers that go and collect mushrooms. Some of them have kind of secret spots. Maybe we can share a little bit more knowledge so we can all utilize um, what grows here on this island um, for, for us to be able to live here as a community together. Um, as, as well as you know, growing our own um, community garden perhaps hydroponic, we've got some good water, we've got some good electricity. If we can do it in a more technologically savvy way, um, we can do it inside all year long. Um, we've got a nice kind of case study over in Juneau for that. I think, I think that can happen here. Um, as well as you know, our food costs in the grocery store are primarily that shipping cost in that grocery store. So a way to address that um, is there a way to, you know, region-wise, if we're addressing tourism region-wise, can we address other things region-wise? Like, hey, you know, they, they bring in quite a bit of food. Can we ask them every month or every time to bring us some food for us at the same time? Like, I don't know. We haven't asked them yet. There's probably some efficiencies we can find um, and maybe some synergies in that. Thank you. And, um, we're shifting to a new question next, but again, just a reminder, 747-5879 or news at kcaw.org. We've been getting some questions over email. Uh, if that's an easier way to send your question in, news at kcaw.org, and Rob or Meredith will pass that question along to me. Um, another listener question we just got dropped in. There's one lawsuit currently in litigation involving Sitka's police department, the fourth lawsuit in recent years. Do you have any concerns over policing in the community? And this will go to Tim Pike first. Uh, absolutely. I think um, I, am, uh, I am the assembly liaison at this point in time to the Police and Fire Commission. Um, and so I do sit and uh, get to listen to the concerns that come up in terms of uh, staffing in particular. You know, and I think uh, a number of our problems come from the staffing level. And I mean, I hate to circle back to the to the state um, in terms of even education funding, but the state has also been remiss in terms of retirements for um, all public servants in our state. So it's making it difficult for us to recruit, and it's making it difficult for us to be competitive with other states in particular. So 
Um, and, and, you know, I, I can't really speak about the lawsuits uh, at this point in time, but, you know, the, I think the, there is a big concern about staffing levels, a big concern about, um, about how, you know, if, if, as we work people longer and harder and overtime, you know, I think those are going to be some issues that go forward that are going to be continue to be a, a, a big problem for us. So, and I, and it's not just the police department. I think it's the city, is citywide workforces is uh, at, not at full strength, and neither is, um, you know, the fire department, things like that. So, all those things are really important, and and I and I see those as all sort of interconnected at this point in time. So, thank you. And this will go to Scott Celine next. Scott, do you have any concerns uh, over policing in the community? Yeah, if we don't take care of our cops, we're going to have uh, really incompetent people trying to police town. Right now, they're cycling guys up from south and shipping in every three weeks and out every three weeks, going back with JJ and them trying to get some land out. Somebody wants to come and, and be staff or be a cop or whatever in town. It should be a chunk of land that they could earn by meeting some sort of a, a schedule here so that we could get some people that are going to be invested and want to raise their family here and not just looking for a short tour of duty and then getting up to Anchorage where the where the most cops really want to be in an urban area. But uh, it's been a concern. I could go back 40 years over different stuff that's happened with the police department. Uh, you know, not having a logbook of that stuff is how we keep on repeating it. And... Uh, yeah, it's, uh, we need Robert DeArmond to be uh, taking notes on stuff the way it shook, shakes out in town, assembly decisions. and But, uh, yes, I am concerned. Thank you. Thank you. And this will go to J.J. Carlson next. Policing is a, is a core function of any successful town municipality. And it's an interesting dynamic here how the the public safety academy for the state is in our town and yet uh, we have such a hard time staffing our department um, they say you know all those cadets are pretty much spoken for when they go into it i was like sure we can't just steal some of them away because it's such a great spot um, but it's a it's a national problem not a lot of people are going into this this line of service and we just find it kind of at every stitch of the way like becoming um, to Alaska, lower wages, higher cost of living, the remoteness of it here. You know, we are kind of on our own in a way. There's, there's no county to support. There's no other you know, National Guard to come in if something happens. Like, they are really the ones to do it, you know, the three, five, seven at a time on, on the force. And it's, it's a big job um, with, like, not a lot of, of reward as you know retirement's been mentioned as just you know the salary has been mentioned and you got to have a big heart to do that day in and day out and it's just a tough tough thing so I am concerned about policing can't speak to the lawsuits um, at this current time but it is it is an ongoing concern and we need to address it in a holistic way Thank you. And this will go to Austin Cranford um, last on this question. Of course. Uh, I do want to start out that I do have a personal relationship with one of the police officers, so I do want uh, that to be known to the community. 
Uh, but regarding the question at hand, I am concerned, uh, but I'm pretty sure there's two. I'm pretty sure there's the taxi lawsuit and then there's the ADA lawsuit, uh, not just the, sing uh, the single one. Uh, and I think any time that lawsuits are made against the police department or any department within the city, the assembly should uh, immediately initiate a third-party investigation. Somebody from outside of town should come in and figure out what's going on. Like uh, was mentioned, this is like, what, the sixth lawsuit in 10 years? We've had a lot in the past 10 years. And it's getting kind of ridiculous that this is a reoccurring uh, theme. It seems like there's some more deep embedded issues rather than just surface level issues. And then, obviously, uh, like J.J. Carlson said, it's a national issue. Staffing across the nation is a problem, and our pay is not that great. We could definitely look into doing that uh, or even doing stuff like neighborhood watches and stuff like that. I do want to push back on JJ a little bit. We do have a National Guard armory in here uh in town. There the National Guard is present in Sika if something terrible were to happen, but obviously hopefully nothing like that ever does. Um but yeah, I would definitely want these to be looked into by the city more and the city to be more transparent about what's going on. I've even heard rumors recently that the fire department and police department are butting heads. I would definitely like to know what's going on with that, especially. Thank you. Thank you. And we're moving on to another, we have another caller question. This is an anonymous question. Again, we just have a few minutes left, uh, but still sometime if you want to call in or send in a question, 747-5879 or KCAW, sorry, 747-5879 or news at KCAW.org. And Rob or Meredith will be able to answer your question. This was someone who called in. They'd like to remain anonymous. Their question is, there appears to be concern about the closing of home health in Sitka. Would you be willing to host or facilitate a town hall in collaboration with Search and Dr. Brule to answer Sitkin's questions? And this will go to Scott Celine first. Uh, yes, I would support a forum with Doc Brule answering the community's questions. All right, this will go to JJ Carlson next. As a question, would I like to host it as well? Yes. Sure, I'd love to do that. I think that'd be a great conversation um, to facilitate. The Of my two day jobs in nonprofits, another one is, is with a local kind of social services organization that is a lot of the town wants them to, to take up that role. And I think I'd be very well versed in, in both aspects of, um, from the city standpoint, and from just understanding how the intricacies of, of that sort of thing could work, I, I could be a good moderator for that conversation. Um, I don't know if I'd fork up the $100 to, to rent the Centennial Building, so if anyone wants to donate that money, um, I'd, I'd show up to, to be on the mic. Thank you, JJ. And this will go to Austin Cranford next. Uh, yes, I would definitely support a town hall or form to figure out what's going on. Search is our single medical provider in town now. They've either bought out or pushed out everybody else that provided medical care prior to them. Uh, they receive federal funding. They're a nonprofit. Uh, yeah, I would like to know what their reason is for closing down what uh, seems to be essential services for the community. Uh, if we have um, 
elderly people or even disabled people that need help at home, then they should be able to go to search and get that help. And the fact that they're not able to uh, seems to rub me the wrong way. Thank you. Thank you. And this will go to Tim Pike next. Absolutely. I'd happily uh, join JJ on the mic if need be. And um, and uh, yeah, I think there's some questions that need to be answered. And, and certainly there are, there are, I share the concerns that I've heard from people in our community. Thank you all so much for answering that listener question. And I have another one coming up here in just a second. Again, 747-5879 or go online at KCA or email news at kcaw.org. That's almost automatic at this point. Um, so the question is, um, Prop 2 will ask voters to reinstate the seasonal sales tax from April to September to fund school maintenance, repair, and construction. The school buildings are city property. Do you support dedicating the seasonal sales tax to their upkeep? And that will go to JJ first. Short answer, yes. I think the... School buildings were built over time as the city has expanded um, to meet the population needs um, with great support from the state at that time. Um, that support, as we've talked about earlier, isn't there like it used to be. And the maintenance needs, even if you're doing your work right when you need to be, 30 years, 50 years later, there is, is updates to be done. And we're arguably in that time frame right now for most, if not all, of the districts. I can think about, yeah, pretty much all of all the buildings at this time. And we need to keep putting some money aside um, to be able to keep our schools updated and ready for our kids. And that's kind of a, just a continuation of what we're already doing. We're not adding a tax. We're just keeping up with what we've been doing for the last 20 years. And it's proven to work well. We paid off a bond because of this. Um, when we can continue, I, I sure hope this town would like to continue um, supporting our kids to have healthy, clean, dry, warm environments to learn in. Thank you, JJ. This will go to Austin Cranford next. Of course. Uh, so to start off, I do support the um, schools getting the funding for their buildings. I, however, do not support the 6% sales tax increase. We were told that we were going to have the 6% sales tax increase until the bond was paid off. The bond was paid off. The tax went away. Now we want the tax return to pay for maintenance issues. Well, as J.J. Carlson mentioned, uh, buildings decay this should have been something that the city looked at and said okay we're going to need to do this much maintenance in this period of time that money should have been getting set aside from the time the buildings were built to now uh i would love to see where we could get the money to make sure the buildings stay maintained for example going back to tourism if we use the head tax to pay for our roads and other infrastructure maybe we can move some of that money to pay for the school's infrastructure uh, because it's no longer being used on the roads or other uh, projects that the head tax can cover. Uh, so I do support repairing our schools. Do not support the 6% sales tax. Thank you. All right. And next, Tim Pike. Yes, um, I do support the uh, seasonal sales tax. And, you know, when we put it in place, originally we put it in seasonally on purpose because we were expecting um, that the tourists would help us to pay for 
um, paying off for bonds. So, you know, we, we set aside that time frame to increase the tax um, and didn't give it to, we didn't apply it to ourselves throughout the winter. So, you know, I think um, I do support that. And yes, the, you know, the schools are, are aging. Um, and what's changed is that the state is no longer uh, participating at the level they were in terms of capital projects. So, the capital budget seems to be one of the things that quickly gets axed at the legislative level anytime they're running into any kind of issues or they, or the dividend comes up or things like that. And, um, and so uh, the, the state has been very lax uh, and behind in giving money that they ordinarily would to rebuilding and maintaining buildings. Um, and we're at the point now with the schools that, you know, we're not at the Band-Aid and bailing wire stage, but... You know, because we do have a very um, active maintenance department, but um, you know, it's it, it's time to put some money into the schools and 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 if we can get the tourists to help us pay for that, I think we're well ahead on that. Thank you. And Scott, last to answer this question, um, this is no, about. I don't support the six percent. I support the schools figuring out another plan. Uh, city roads. There's all kinds of stuff that one percent could go to but it was promised to sunset and if we build it they're going to blow it and then i'm back to why i believe we should have a vote of confidence in every department as to their leadership whether it's maintaining blatchley heat pumps or whatever and that's going to give people a clue as to if there's any support for the guys that are actually doing the work or is it just another like a blue lake boondoggle with 50 million bucks disappeared somewhere we got to get a grip on people calling the shots whether it's the electrical department harbors thank you thank you and we are almost out of time at 6 53 p.m so i'm just going to go around the room and starting with austin um just quickly before we have to sign off here why should sitkins vote for you in this election on tuesday october 3rd uh, I think Sitkin should vote for me just because we're trying to lower the cost of living. We're trying to allow it to where people can still live in Sitka without having to leave. Obviously, there's the tourist issue. There's plenty of other issues. Those are issues we're going to have to work out. They're going to need long-term solutions. But on the short term, there is stuff that can happen today, happen tomorrow, that can uh, lower the burden or remove some of the burden from the people that currently live in Sitka. Um and that's what I'm here to support, along with transparency. I think transparency would also help. It would allow people to go, okay, this is what the city's doing. The lawsuits were brought up. Yeah, why are we getting sued so many times in such a short period? It's definitely something that the community needs to know. Um, but yeah, thank you. Thank you. Next, Tim Pike. Why should Sitkins vote for you? Um, I think I, I would like... Sitkins to vote for me because I think I bring to the table, um, you know, some interest in, in what's going on around us and concern about uh, Sitkins' quality of life and affordability. Um, and, you know, I, I see myself as a bigger picture uh, person and, and a long-term thinker and, I, and looking at the infrastructure in our community, I think it's very important for us to, to move forward and making sure that we put in place, um, much like Austin actually referenced, you know, a plan for how we're going to afford to continue to maintain and to expand the infrastructure that we have, um, you know, energy efficiency, as well as the energy infrastructure as a whole, so that we can make sure that, you know, we are able to 
to build the future that we see for our community. And, and that's why I think uh, voting for me makes sense, and I would encourage people to do that. Thank you. Scott Saline, um, your turn. Why should Sitkins vote for you in this municipal election? Well, uh, I've been in the Sitka Village for 40 years, and I've watched the constant neglect and infrastructure upgrades from city staff from initial 1982 Pave and Catlian to what they're trying to do now. And I can take it to every neighborhood in town with input from friends of mine in various neighborhoods in town. And that really has to be corrected and addressed lack of input of infrastructure dollars for certain demographics of people who are really unheard of, whether it's the trailer courts or Indian village housing, you know, and that's a, there's a lot to that, that a lot of people don't understand the gray area between the BIA, BHA, and the city, and how people are living in no man's land in the village, and really is pretty much neglectful from the city. Continual. Decades. That's why I want you to vote for me. I will bring this stuff out, and we'll try to track how to fix it, and just make it aware to be diversified and survive in Alaska just doesn't have one job. That means you're going to leave that town. And that's really what I'm bringing. Been, you know, I love this town. Started out with float houses. They kicked out all the float houses. They made Sitka unaffordable right back in 1982. Only certain neighborhoods getting upgraded. Thank you. Thank you. And JJ, um, last to answer this question before you wrap up the forum. Mm -hmm. Yes, I think I, I would appreciate greatly if Sika voted for me um, because I'm here. I'm here to help. I'm here to serve. I've, I've picked up a lot of knowledge on my my short 37 years on this earth, but I am ready to to give it back in spades to this town. Um, I'm not a put your money where your mouth is kind of person. I may put your time where your heart is. And that really explains why I, I want to be on the assembly for you know, three years if you'll let me, one year if you think I'm still in a trial period. Um, that this this town is lovely on so many levels and is, is really worth worth fighting for and spending my time doing. And we are, have got a great thing here. The municipality um, does so much for this town, like with all of our utilities being municipal run and just doing that work on a day-to-day, -day, um, keeping things moving forward is, is, an, is an excellent use of time and making it better um, through quality of life and affordability for, for my generation. Um, I came back um, to, to be here to, to care and in love for this town, and I think being on the assembly is a great way um, with the greatest impact for me to do so. And um, thank you, Sitka, for being what you are, and um, I, I sure hope I can help you um, continue that by being um, one of your assembly members. Well, I want to thank you each for joining me this evening for our live assembly candidate forum. 
thanks to all the candidates who participated tonight. Thank you for the public for emailing in your questions. And if you missed any of our forums, if you missed this forum and you'd like to go back and listen, it will be posted tomorrow on our website. Um, so you can go back and listen to the whole forum. We'll also cover it in local news. And you can also find questionnaires from each of the candidates on our website at kcaw.org under the Election Center. You've been listening to our candidate forum on Raven Radio KCAW Sitka.